social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401 885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, Good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com, Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359, and in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. This uh, mask debate and unmasking, especially school children. Now, listen, we're coming up on a big weekend because it's Super Bowl weekend. So you want the places that are hosting Super Bowl parties, some of the bars and restaurants, you want them to do well. Then Monday is Valentine's. So it's Valentine's weekend. So uh, in in light of all of that, but Governor McKee really has some decisions to make regarding masks. And the mask debate, as I was saying in Rhode Island, you know what's really interesting is the the mass, it's really become the Democrat Party platform. Uh, Ted Nisi of WPRI Channel 12 has an interesting story that, so Governor McKee is under pressure, as many of you know, to lift the mask mandate. Now, the numbers continue to go down. And the Democrat Party, the far left, they are adamant about masking. They they actually, many of them would like permanent masking, permanent masking for children, whether it be some of the union leaders. It's bizarre. A big part of it is control, but they want children in masks. And so as Governor McKee is trying to decide what he should do about that, and this is also you're seeing, for instance, the, the difference, Governor Charlie Baker of Massachusetts announced he's not running for re-election. And one of the reasons is he didn't want to get involved with the politics of trying to make decisions during this pandemic. And then you're also trying to be a viable candidate. He would have been for re-election. Gina Raimondo was term limited out. Governor McKee, you're seeing part of the problem. Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee is, he is fearful of what is going to come back at him in a, in a Democrat primary. So Channel 12 spoke with his opponents for the primary. They spoke to Matt Brown. What did he think about school masking with children? What do you think his response was? I'll tell you what it was. Absolutely not. No, you keep them in mask. Oh, it's way too premature. Oh, no, no, absolutely not, blah, blah, blah. Nellie Gorbea, Secretary of State. Oh, way too, no, way too early. Nope. No, I would keep the kids in the mask. Nope, you don't do that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Helene, new person, Helena Folks. Oh, way too early. No, we have to... You know, she's learning what the metrics are. So it's all like a learning curve for her. But, oh, no, you know, absolutely not. And then the other Democrat who I even hesitate to cover him just because he ran in 2018. He got 2% of the vote. So this time he entered a Democrat primary instead of just being an independent. And he felt, oh, absolutely not. Folks, how did it, and I recognize there's so many people listening that are Democrats vote Democrat. I just don't understand how it became. It is now part of the Democrat Party platform. Governor McKee, think about this. He's not getting pressure from, you know, potentially in a primary to unmask. He's feeling pressure to keep the kids in masks. So there, there's a feeling that he's going to opt for to, to do that or he's going to kick it down and say, well, you know, let people decide. There's a, a really interesting dynamic that's also taking place. Now, Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott, who was the former uh head of the Department of Health, who's going to start getting 46000 a month for the month of March, April, and May. She always preached the most important thing is equity. Everyone must be treated uh, the same way across the board. But what, what I disagree with, and I have disagreed with her on that, 
and I'm interested to see how the McKee people handle this, is as we have learned, you know, places are, are different in, in with the pandemic. So therefore, it doesn't make sense to treat and um, treat every situation the same or this whole business of equity. I, I think, you know, in um, in theory, you know, the idea of equity that every person has best possible health care possible, that, I mean, I, I think we would all agree with that. But when you're looking at vaccinations, transmission rates, that's where it breaks off. Now, right now, there's uh, three communities that students now have high vaccinations, and those communities are Jamestown, uh, East Greenwich, and Barrington. And I also want to remind people, when people hear about schools and school test scores, in those two communities, Barrington, East Greenwich, some people think it's it's a matter of, well, oh, they must have really good teachers or really good schools. I would argue it, it all has to do with two parent households who are college graduates. That's what those two areas really have. The more, and, and this has been proven, when you have areas where you have two parent households and both parents are college educated, conversely, their, their children do better in school and therefore, so the area the community does well. When you, you go into areas where there's, you know, one parent households and or less parents that have uh, received college educations, then test scores traditionally now go down. But as far as the transmission rates, the number of students in Jamestown, Barrington, East Greenwich, who've been vaccinated are very, very high. They're above 80%. Students now, children vaccinated. You go into other communities and they're very low for students. Woonsocket, Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls. My point is, therefore, under Dr. Scott, everyone is treated the same. Dr. Scott would say the children in Barrington, East Greenwich, Jamestown, they can't take their masks off because look at the children in Central Falls and Providence, Pawtucket, and they haven't been vaccinated, and therefore everybody... See, I disagree with that. <clears throat> it should be an effort that, number one, I do believe that different communities should decide whether or not they can have their children in masks. It should not be a decision made just statewide across the board. But I really disagree with treating everyone the same. You know, in that's one of those things in principle, in theory, perhaps. But then you get into the real world. And this business that everybody's the same, various things under the law, they should be treated the same as far as healthcare priorities. But even when it comes to healthcare, we know. Not every patient is the same, right? There are some people that have underlying health conditions. There are some people that have obesity problems. There are some people that, you know, the, the, based on their eating habits. So the rage, you know, right now you have people in the hospital and they have COVID and they are dying. But what are their ages? Why are you punishing children? Why are you punishing young children and making them wear a mask because there's 85 and 90 year old people that are dying in the hospital of COVID. That makes no sense at all. But it has become a big part of the party platform of the Democrat Party. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident? Someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401 401- 272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best, and if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, Call West Fountain today. Get it repaired. 401-272-3340. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. 
Joining us right now, he is a columnist of the Boston Globe, and it's Dan McGowan. And uh, Dan, as you lay out in the roadmap, this is a big day, decision time for Governor McKee. Uh, a lot of different elements to this. I'm anxious to hear some of your thoughts as we set the table as it becomes decision time now regarding these mask mandates. Yeah, and this is a, a big moment for the governor for a whole bunch of reasons. One, he has to make you know a tough decision when it comes to mask mandates or the vaccination policy and a lot of these kind of small businesses like restaurants or the big places like the dunk, places like that. It, it, it's kind of this opportunity where if you get this right, if you you know, you try to strike that balance between trying to come across as, hey, we're getting past this, uh, you know, this spike in COVID cases, things are getting better. So you want to be the kind of the reopening governor, but you also have to strike that balance with your kind of Democratic primary voters where, you know, you want to make sure we got to get vaccinations going for kids, things like that. He has the chance to strike a really good balance here. And I think, uh, you know, kind of sort of shed, or, you know, shine a new light on his administration. The only challenge is, as you and I know, John, you know, every time he's had to make a tough decision, he's he's really struggled to make it. And then he struggled to kind of explain it afterwards. So I'm really curious to see sort of how he explains a lot of whatever decisions he makes today. What do you make of the fact that, uh, boy, he likes to stack the COVID press briefings, he's actually even added more people than than yeah. uh, Governor Raimondo did. And today he's going to have the education commissioner there, obviously be James McDonald. Then he puts sprinkles in some other people. What do you what do you make of that, Dan McGowan? I have my own thoughts on it. I think he something comes up, he likes to punt it and then just it's hot potato when he throws it <laughs> to whoever he wants to throw it to. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> that's exactly it. And I think sometimes, you know, you start somebody asks a question about the schools and you say, oh, uh, let me bring up the commissioner or, you know, let me punt this one to, it used to be Dr. Nicole or, or Tom McCarthy. And, you know, the problem with that is it, it, he struggles to do that in a, in a way that it makes him look like he doesn't actually know the answer as opposed yes. to let me put this in the hands of the experts. And right. I think particularly when we, you know, we, we're all assuming that there's going to be announcement about the relaxing of of masks in schools whether it's right away or you know after february vacation there's going to be some sort of announcement on that today i would judging by the way you're seeing other states do this and judging by the way i think the governor kind of handles um you know his sort of review of covid internally this decision is coming from the governor's office and from the Department of Health. If you punt it to the Rhode Island Department of Education, you know, the commissioner is not going to be have been in every room for these discussions. It's actually right. going to, you know, it's going to confuse people. Like if I found the governor here, this is my chance to show leadership, to be the person who who's making the hard decision. In fact, you know, you, you're it's not that hard. You're you know, you're you're able to point to Massachusetts, point to Connecticut and New Jersey. You know, this is a trend that's going to happen, you know, all over the country pretty quickly. But if you're punting it all over the place, yeah, I think it, I, I think it gets everybody just really confused. Now, Dan McGowan, you break it out pretty well in Roadmap today, which, folks, is an email. We'll give you information coming up uh, uh, in just a few moments of how you can receive it. I receive it each day, obviously. Well, Monday through Friday and read it. Uh, but Dan McGowan, the, the, the vaccination rates of the students I'm curious how they handle that, because you see, you know, as you lay out, Jamestown, East Greenwich, Barrington, very, very high. Then you go into Central Falls, Providence, Pawtucket, Woonsocket, very low. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested how he's going to handle the, the mass mandate, simply because to me, Dr. Cole Alexander Scott always preached equity. Everyone right. had to be treated the same. But when you look at the numbers, do the sheer science, it her idea of equity, it doesn't make, I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense that you're going to treat Jamestown the same way you're going to treat, you know, Woonsocket because they're in completely different places. Well, I remember famously you being in a press conference and yes. asking that question, you know, Still doesn't uh, early, make sense early on. And now I think the more, the longer it goes, the longer it, you're right that it does start to make sense. Now, a lot of people will listen and say, hey, wait, you know, the just because people aren't vaccinated, you know, if, if we're not seeing massive spread in these schools, then, you know, get the masks off the kids. And that's it's a reasonable and fair point. What the governor needs to kind of figure out today, if he's going to announce, you know, uh, either masks off of everybody or if he's going to put it in the hands of local school districts, 
um, they need to real. I think they probably are going to need to sort of acknowledge that. Yeah, in the urban core, we're not seeing, you know, vaccinations, you know, particularly high. And and you see, I mean, like you just said in roadmap today, you know, you break out, you, you look at the high ends, you know, the the sort of the wider suburb uh, suburban school districts, you know, upper class kind of places. Sure, 85 percent, uh, uh, you know, vaccination rates. You're doing fine there. When you, you know, the, the majority of the kids, though, of course, are in are in some of the urban districts. And so it breaks out 53 percent, basically, of students who are eligible right now, K through 12 um, in Rhode Island are at least partially vaccinated. So you do have a large number there. It's largely going to be in those urban districts. What they need to do is probably launch some sort of real kind of they're probably going to have to put a lot of money into a campaign to say, hey, we got to get, you know, we got to get more students vaccinated in these school districts. It does make me wonder, maybe, maybe this is the moment to say, okay, if you're over, I don't know, 65%, 70%, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're under, you have to make a choice. You know, you put it in the hands of a school committee, something like that. Um, I, I don't think he gets away though with having kind of a, a, a statewide standard without addressing the low vaccination rates in some of these urban schools. Do you think he, he does punt it to, we're just going to let all the different school districts decide? My gut would say yes. And, and only because that's what we, you know, he wanted to do at the beginning of the school year. You'll remember, yes. uh, you know, he was, re- he really wanted to leave it in the hands of, of local districts. Uh, I think at the time I wrote a column saying that that wasn't the right call. Uh, and he very quickly switched over and said, OK, we'll do a statewide, you know, a statewide school mandate. Um, I, I think he's always inclined to put it in the hands of the of the districts. The challenge is, you know, <laughs> look at Providence. The state controls Providence. Yeah. They're only 40 percent. Uh, they're the biggest school district. And so, you know, he, he, he's not going to get away with without making, you know, at least some of the decision kind of on, uh, you know, on his hands as opposed to kicking it to, to others. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dean, you raise a good point also in the roadmap, and that is, you know, you step back, you and I get all these pressure. How much of an effort really has been made to get students vaccinated? I I also, unless I've missed it, you know, you you have some of these. You don't hear some of these very activist groups, um, just as an example, whether it's the co-op or Black Lives Matter PAC or anything. But I, I don't see anything from the McKee administration reaching out to try to get, you know, a PSA with Coach Cooley saying, you know, I grant I know he's busy, but you know, remember kids, you gotta get vaccinated or parents get your kids vaccinated. Um with, with all this talk and, and everything else, I I unless I've missed it, I haven't seen a big concerted effort to try to reach out and get all these kids, especially those places we mentioned, right? Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls trying to get them vaccinated. You know, I didn't, I didn't think about it until you just said it, but, but you know, beyond forget the, you know, you don't want, let's say you don't want to get into the politics of black lives matter or, or the political co-op. There are other groups. I mean, the one that comes to mind for me in Providence is dare, right. Which is, is political, very much political, but you know, has a foot, you know, foothold in the community and, you know, particularly in, in kind of the poorer parts of Providence and there are lots of organizations like that that you got to be working kind of closely with them to reach people who right. might be a little bit hesitant. You know, the, the thing is, is what we don't know is, is it is, is there a hesitation problem of, hey, I was willing to get my vaccination, but I'm not sure about my 11 year old just yet. Or is it that they're actually, you know, the, the, the attention to vaccination, I think has really fallen off the table for a lot yes. of people. I, I don't, yeah. you know, these press conferences are not widely watched anymore, no. right? It's, it's me and you and that's it basically. Right. They're not you know, on TV anymore. They're, they're not on TV. They're not, you know, it, so it's not the kind of thing where everybody is glued in. And so then you do raise this, the, the, the other important question about what a ca- kind of campaign looks like. You're right. I mean, you mentioned Coach Cool. Uh, I remember back, this is, it feels like years ago now, I guess it was, was when the before COVID, when Providence had just started the school takeover, the state had just taken over the schools, uh, they came under a lot of fire because 
they were paying the, that the um, the social co- social news company uh, Cameo to uh, you know you you would get like a, a wake up call essentially from right you know I your, remember that your favorite yeah. YouTube star or something like yeah. that. I mean, this is the moment to think out of the box and start going back to that. Hey, you got to get vaccinated. You know, you got to do these these other things. Um, but we're we're not really seeing that. I think the governor is trying his best to say, hey, there are these. You know, every day he sends out a, an email to us and says, there's you know a vaccination clinic here, there's a vaccination clinic there. But you know, you're st- there still isn't a vaccine. You still can't go to school. And, you know, with your parent, because, of course, you shouldn't be doing this if you're under 18 on your own and say, hey, you know, I want my kid vaccinated right now. Right. It's still a little bit of a challenge. It's still I got to go after school to a clinic down the street, whatever. Um, I think they really need to kind of pick that up um, if they're going to be able to. Uh, kind of justify relaxing some of these rules. And your your listeners out there are going to say, wait a minute, they, they shouldn't have to justify this. Again, this is where you got to think about politics, right? Inside of a Democratic primary, Democrat voters, um, especially the more liberal ones, you know, are going to kind of push back strongly at, oh, a yeah. lot, at, at, at Governor McKee. So he needs to kind of find a way to sort of throw them a bone here, too. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DiPietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable Fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial, it's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, I want to stay with Governor McKee, the race for governor. First, I want to get your thought. Uh, it was last Friday. The governor was doing an interview with Gene Velicenti of uh, NBC10, but on the radio. And he, he uh, when he was asked about that uh, ILO contract, which I think your former colleagues, your former stomping ground at Channel 10, I, I mean, they went through all the proper motions. Yep. They got public record requests. They got emails. I, I thought they have a very solid story. And what struck me, and I noticed that you defended Channel 12, and I was glad, and I think you were right to do so, but was number one was he, like, I, I think we, you and I and a lot of other members of the media, you could pick out talking points, and he had these talking points. It wasn't an off-the-cuff remark. So he had these rehearsed lines of it was, um, it was controversial reporting, and they knew what they were doing, let alone, to me, the, it was improper to be doing it to a competitor. Right. Of Channel 12, which is the Channel 10 anchor, which is like talk about throwing like, you know, the real uh, applause lines to the crowd. But or or the as they call like a real uh, meat line to the to whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I I thought uh, I I don't remember, you know, seeing something like that. I certainly don't remember uh, Gina Raimondo specifically going after someone in that fashion that by all accounts, that's. That's not the definition that I would call, and he was kept saying it, controversial reporting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the, as you know, behind the scenes, certainly Gina Raimondo had her complaint. You know, John DiPietro yeah. is a jerk or, or, right. or whatever. They got this one wrong, but never aired it, you know, that publicly uh, in, in any significant way. And Governor McKee, particularly on this story, uh, this, this ILO group education consulting contract, has you know really from the outset been kind of accusing Channel Twelve of, um, you know I think what I think what he meant he called it controversial reporting I think what he yeah. meant was they were sensationalizing yeah. the story and it, you know it's interesting I, I think you're right I, obviously I'm biased to to some degree here I worked at Channel Twelve I love those guys and and they're still all close friends and I, I respect the work they do 
the the challenge though is they're buttoned up on this story they've done oh, yeah, a good 100%. job yes. um and so so you know the governor i think what the governor doesn't like and what a lot of politicians don't like is when you know channel 12 is really good with promotional stuff right you're you know you're watching the football game and suddenly you get a commercial and it's tim white in a trench coat and you're yeah. you know tonight at six or tomorrow at five and they get they actually get more upset about the promos right and and the teasing than yes. they do about the actual reporting i remember this yep. years ago mara lorza i remember once tim white and i had worked on a a very cl- a story about uh, uh you know all his traveling we were always all over that and he got so upset at me because of the promo that aired for the story not the story itself uh, right so th- i think they get they get a little bit bogged down but it, it you know <laughs> the problem with that interview with with, with gene uh, to his credit gene asked a little bit about the channel 12 stuff yeah th- there was also though I mean, you know, he threw under the bus. I think he criticized the Washington Post in that uh, interview. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was he, he raised questions about some of the Good reporting. Point. You know, he raised questions about some of the reporting about the uh, the the way you know the cases and the caseload in Rhode Island. So, you know, he he is. We've talked about this a lot. He's very sensitive, but he's got to get past that because huh. for the I, the average I don't think person, he's going to. No, I don't. I just, but I don't think the average person is going to say, you know what, Channel Twelve is really unfair. It does it, nothing in that reporting that way. I mean, it's it's really like, you know, it's it's really heady stuff, right? It's document based. It's you know, it's it's it's, it's his own words. Yeah. It's his like an email. <laughs> Damn it, God! It goes back to. Do you think was he unaware at the time that those emails could become it? That would be my guess that he didn't even it didn't even occur to him when no one on his staff well, referred to them that these you, emails could then become you know a public access situation. You know what is strange? I'd love to hear this from the guys at Channel Twelve because the thing that I'm what, that I think is my understanding is that the executive office and that would include the lieutenant governor at the time, their emails are actually exempt from you know I from see. public records and so. It's really interesting that the the governor's office has has chosen to release some of this stuff yeah. because I think you're protected by that. We cannot oh. right, right now. You and I cannot ask for Mara Lorza's emails. We can't ask for the gov. We can't ask for the speaker's emails. We, we can we can certainly ask, but they will immediately deny us. Um, and so the fact that it was in there, I mean. He had to know that uh, maybe he at least thought at the time, you know, this this is exempt. I'm, I'm protected. But for whatever reason, these emails have gotten out there. And uh, and that how many millions? I mean, sure, you know, you have to take everything into context, but it, it certainly doesn't look very good. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, your former colleague at uh, Channel 12, WPRI, Ted Nisi, I thought he did interesting story last night where he then spoke with the other uh, candidates for gubernatorial primary that we're going to see, which is Secretary of State Nelly Gobea, uh, Helena Folks. Uh, also, we have uh, Matt Brown, who that's the first time we've heard from him yes. in a while, but also that Dr. Moniz. And it was incredible how much the, the idea of unmasking children, all four of them, oh, absolutely not. Oh, no way. I'm just curious your thought. Now, obviously, that plays in Governor McKee's decision, and I think whatever he decides, they're going to pound him. But how do you think we we got to this place that you have, you know, Governor McKee, Nellie Gobea, Helena Folks, Matt Brown, five Democrats in the gubernatorial primary, and it's it's almost become like part of the party platform that you, you must continue to mask these children in the schools. It's a bizarre, I, I was stunned by the tone taken uh, yes. by, by the other the other folks. Right, for a while, this, be, this, this became a very red and blue issue and, and everything becomes red and blue in our country at this point. But for a while, it's, it's red and blue. But you, know, you did hear people, you still had people like Governor Raimondo at the time, right? Who was saying no get our kids back in school. Yes. Right. You know, we, we, I'm going to be that person. And then, and, and then, you know, you, you get kids back in school. So then you start to get into this mass conversation and you know, the, the clear answer to this is right. And it is true. It, it still is red and blue in the sense that, you know, Republicans overwhelmingly oppose this. Democrats are more sort of in the 50, 60% range when 
support, um, there, there is just a way to thread a needle here. You don't have to automatically assume that the governor is wrong and also harming people. You could put this on, hey, you know, let's just make sure that we have uh, actual, you know, net. Well, of course, we all want to be out of our masks. You know, you, you take that tone. What they're doing, though, is, is they're, you nailed it. They're setting it up. So that no matter what he and I mean, I guarantee you, all of the other campaigns, uh, the, the folks running for governor right now, already have you know prepared statements oh, yeah. to criticize the governor. They don't even know what he's going to do, uh, and and so it just becomes this easy attack or thing. I think it could backfire. I, I think there's a way to say that you know we we want to make sure that kids are you know are are getting out of their masks, but you know. If, if you're in a school that has really low vaccination rates or, you know, what, there, there's just a way to kind of split the baby here. Uh, and and the, these candidates are just not doing, I think Governor McKee is going to try to do that. I think he's going to try to be kind of everything to everybody. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. Simply because, I mean, I, I know they're going to point to people still in the hospital transmission rate, but you know, my sources, people I talk to still say it's the, the people that are either in the hospital or dying, you know, listen, every death bad, but they're older, you know, 80 plus or people with very obese underlying health conditions to try to transmit that transmit that into the children need to be still masked. Dave McGowan, I, I would look at, you know, they're ignoring what just took place in uh, in Virginia with Glenn Youngkin, with a lot of his voters with suburban mothers who voted for Biden. Yep. They, you know, when it came to kids in the school, and I say that only because you're, people don't realize you're a coach. You see those children. The idea of, you know, if you're going to start Little League and you're going to have kids in mass out in the field with everything we've learned and know, and I, I, I just am um, still taken aback by that. And one other uh, observation, Dan McGowan, someone was, I was telling someone the other day, they were asking me the difference between Governor McKee and, and then Gina Raimondo, she did not care. She was in her second term. She was term limited out. No one was going to tell her. If you brought up at, a, at a, one of the briefings, and I attended, I think I added up, I, I attended 100 briefings. But if someone said, you know, the lieutenant governor said this or the speaker said that, she would wave it off. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> she was the ultimate Al Haig. I am in charge. What? I do not care. She had her plan. He's far more finger in the wind. How is this going to play? I may get criti criticized for this. I know I'm going to get criticized by my, my opponents. Do you think that's a, a fair observation? Oh, it is. It, yeah. I mean, look, the governor, Governor Raimondo at the time, she had number one, because she was term limited, you know, the only thing she had to worry about, and this did happen a little bit towards the end, was as she was being vetted for, you know, jobs in the Biden administration, you know, she definitely started to think a little bit about how how things might play publicly you know i remember this was this wasn't about covid but uh I, you know i was uh, reporting about their uh they signed a big contract with rhode island college in in a consulting group and you know it was very expensive and they were getting a lot of heat and immediately the governor just canceled the contract just said you know what i, right. I don't want to deal with this we're canceling the contract right. but even that in some ways was decisive in the sense that it wasn't a five-week story it was a three-day right. story right yeah um i think governor mckee yeah i, I think he does I, it, look it all goes back to the thing that that i say this to you almost every week he reads the newspaper he watches television he listens to the radio he actually does get affected by yeah. what the callers say by what yeah. other officials say and you know, in some cases you say, well, look, he, you know, he's, he wants to hear all sides. He wants to be thoughtful. Problem is, is that I think people look for the governor to be a leader. Uh, right. and, and, and he definitely, he definitely is affected by the things, the, the things that people say about him. I mean, he's pro human. I mean, you and I are probably like that in a lot of ways. We're not the governor though. That's right. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dave McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro show. A problem with your heating system call re coogan heating today 401 732 6562 24 hour emergency service gas boiler oil burner coogan heating 401 732 6562 they're helpful 
trustworthy, reliable, explore their services. Look for them on Facebook and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, to installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. It's Coogie. It's 24-hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago. Our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. Of the John DePietro Show brought to you by Realtor Pat Elston. Call Pat today, 401-474-5253. There's a link right directly to her on the website, dipietro.com. Call to a bank of realty based in cumberland 20 years experience licensed in rhode island and massachusetts pat services all of rhode island and southeastern mass contact pat elston today 401-474-5253 and you can find her right on the website dipetro.com we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe dan i also want to thank you and i pointed out uh to all the listeners you writing about and roadmap and publishing um i i polls that you put out about President Biden and Dan McKee, uh, a political uh, consultant said to me, you know, a lot of people say polls aren't something they pay attention to until they see a really bad poll. And then they unfortunately can become obsessed about them. But I think this falls right in line. And and I almost I don't want to say vindicated, but I was saying I thought his poll numbers matched President Biden. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, back in November when he went on that two week vacation, I thought that was a mistake. And boy, when you came out with, what do you think they thought when he saw a 34% approval rating and President Biden with a 35% approval rating? How are they handling COVID uh, in Rhode Island? And that was for January. Well, he, the funny thing is, is that when, when you come out with something like that, immediately your phone rings, right? And, yeah. and people want to poke holes in the poll. And the thing, the message that I say, and this is to that, to that consultant, that's exactly right, the, uh, what they said to you. But I said, I, I noticed you guys weren't calling when the headline was uh, Governor McKee is more popular than Gina Raimondo. That's right. Right. They loved yeah. they loved it, you know, a year ago when and it was true a year ago. I think the first poll that came out and this is the this group, you know, it's a, a bunch of the colleges across the country. They poll every state. They've been doing this mm. basically every other month. Uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, they pull the executive, the governor's approval rating, every governor's approval rating, the president's approval rating, and then they do a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, do you support masks, things like that, all, all kinds of things. And you could see it all by what your state thinks or what your state does. And you know, for for the first one when Governor McKee officially became the governor, he, he his approval rating was through the roof. I think he was 70 percent. Nope, he was fifty. Oh, the April. He was fifty. Ramundo's last poll was 40. That's what it was. 50, that, yep. 50, and then he went 59 um, in June and Biden was 60 in June. Yep. But yep. he did. He, he was higher than her out of, right out of the box. And That's what it was. I, I apologize for making that mistake. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're exact. So, and, and so, you know, he, he, they loved it then. And then it's, it's dramatically fallen. And I think it's a couple of things. Look, part of it was, and I, I put this in the headline, look, it was a bad time to poll, right? C- cases were out of control. You, you know, you're seeing five, 6,000 cases a day. Uh, you know, people's Christmases got interrupted. Your New Year's celebrations were interrupted. And so bad timing, certainly. But again, this is why they do it every other month. It'll be interesting right. to see where he stands. I mean, he was already trending lower, you know, back in November. Uh, and when you start to see that 34%, I mean, the thing that you hear from the other campaigns is, yeah, that tracks with actually where we're seeing him. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I, I always caution, these are always moments in time, but I do think they're valuable to kind of get a sense of how Rhode Islanders are feeling right now uh, and, and not feeling particularly good about either McKee or President Biden. A Ramundo loyalist uh, pointed out to me, she never went below 40%. Um, there's Governor McKee at 34%. Yep. 
Dan McGowan, Terry McAuliffe, when he running against last fall against Glenn Youngkin, governor of Virginia, he he was the first one last September said we're dealing with some major headwinds from Washington. How much impact? You know, listen, yeah, President Biden won Rhode Island 57 percent, but he won he won uh, Virginia by by 10 or 15 points. How much I, I haven't heard a lot about this with the Democrat candidates, but I, how much do you think President Biden's low, lower approval ratings in Rhode Island could in, end up impacting uh, some of the statewide offices or maybe that we're going to talk about that CD2 race in in the fall? I think it particularly hurts Governor McKee because Governor yeah. McKee has uh, has has kind of stuck himself to uh, Joe Biden to his credit. Right. He, he endorsed Joe Biden right out of the gate, you know, while everybody else was, you know, finger in the wind. Should I support Pete Buttigieg or, you know, Bernie Sanders or Mike Bloomberg? Or Mike Bloomberg yeah. Right. Governor McKee has been with Biden all the way. So he's he's he is loyal in that way. And I think he wants to stick by him. The challenge with that is, you know, inflation's a problem. Obviously, you know, the COVID strategy hasn't hasn't been particularly good. You know, you're, you're, people are getting frustrated with lots of different things. It does allow, I mean, if you're Nellie Gorbea, if you're Helena Folks, you could say, hey, you know, I, I support the Democratic president, but I don't agree with him here. Uh, right. And you feel a little more comfortable doing that. Um, I, I think it does. I mean, I think it puts... Uh, I think it puts the Democrats in a little bit of trouble. I still say, yeah. I mean, we, we ha- when it comes to governor, we have to see how this this re- new Republican candidate's going to fare. But, you uh, know, it seems overwhelmingly, uh, or at least as of right now, it seems fairly clear that we're going to have a Democratic governor. I do think this becomes a much bigger problem in that second congressional district where it is just ripe for a Republican to pick off. Folks, we speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, uh, before we talk about this Republican, or as I'm calling a tourist, um, with your colleague, Ed Fitzpatrick, and folks, you can go online at the Boston Globe website and uh, did the podcast interview with Helena Folks. What, what did you think of her in that interview? You know, I, I was I, I continue to sort of want more out of her. And I, I can't tell if it's because my expectations are high that I've heard this yeah. woman who is so impressive and, you know, as the former CVS executive, you know, so on and so on. And I keep thinking, oh, you know, are we going to get that moment where you say, you, you know, you, like Gina Raimondo, I mean, you've been always clear about this. You don't have to like the things that she did to recognize, oh, yeah, there's a lot of competence there, right? She's a, she's a smart woman who's yeah. decisive. Governor, you know, Governor Raimondo kind of felt like that. And again, I didn't always agree. I think she did a terrible job when it came to, you know, the, the, the handling of the, the school takeover, the way she did it and, and sort of the way she left it. But she was decisive. She made decisions. She was, you know, she was good at that kind of stuff. I keep kind of waiting for Helena folks to kind of break out and what she feels like. I mean, everything I see in her is it feels like everything she says has been tested 17 different times in polls yes. and focus groups. You just haven't got a chance to know her yet. And I keep waiting. When's the, you know, when does the million dollar, you know, commercial uh, barrage come when you start to see, Oh, okay. I get that. You know, she was this really impressive person because right now all we hear is, you know, the governor is really bad and I'm the person that can change that. It, it, it hasn't worked to, to any degree at this point. No, someone I know on the east side said it, she it, to her it reminded her of an actress trying to like learn her lines for for the show. Yeah, before it's well, before that's a good night. point. And there's yeah. some, something to be said for that. Now, folks, in the Boston Globe, uh, you do have the story. We've been hearing rumors of this uh, Republican candidate that has this money. I was told, oh, you're gonna love her. She's a businesswoman. Number one, they neglected to say she was in Illinois. Number two. She's 39 years old. She just bought a house in Newport. I, I don't remember the last time someone actually filed before they announced. Dan McGowan, what's out of the box? What do you make of the, the tourists from Newport who's decided, you know, not only do I like the island, I'm going to run and buy the island. I'm going to run. The, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I want to get to know her before I, you know, decide whether or not she's, you know, a, a qualified candidate. Already. You know, uh, she, of course, all those things are true. It is not a great start, right? It, you know, if you're the Republican Party in this state, you did have people who were, you know, who were known and potentially qualified candidates who passed it up. Blake Flippy passed it up. Looks like Alan Fung is thinking in, in a different direction. Um, you know, there are people that could have potentially taken this shot that had 
you know, at least some level of establishment. And you could have gone back to, you know, even a Bob Flanders or, you know, folks who have run John Laughlin. You know, yeah, yeah Ken, Ken, right, a current elected official, you could have gone. So there are Republicans in this state who, you know, who um, I think they'd have fared a little better. Now, look, everything changes if this if this candidate can raise a million dollars and dump five million dollars into their into the race. And you say, OK, they're really dead serious. But you're starting with nothing. You're starting with real, really little, uh, forget name recognition, but the organization, the Republican Party doesn't have a strong, you know, oh. the, the organizing power actually is in the Fung oh. camp. Yes. Um, and so, you know, how will that work? So I, I think it's a, I think it's a, a bit of a challenge, but you know, if you come out and you, and you, you show that you're kind of a, you know, an executive mother who's got strong opinions and can, can, you know, be kind of coherent in the way you explain it, there's always the chance that you are, you know, suddenly really uh, appealing to a lot of voters. Now, uh, Dan McGowan, um, as far as CD2, is Seth Magaziner, is he concerned about the Joy Fox uh, campaign? I think he is. I think he is concerned about the Joy Fox campaign because I think there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a real, this, this hasn't been reported enough yet. There's, there is some, uh, you know, there's a chip in the, the Democratic armor right now in, in Rhode Island. There are a lot of people who were not happy that yeah. Seth Magaziner, you know, jumped in this race. Yeah. I think particularly there are a lot of female leaders in the state, yep. uh, the Kate Coyne McCoys of the world who work right. for the party, who are not thrilled that, you know, basically what Seth Magaziner has attempted to do is clear the field. What you're seeing from Joy Fox early on, I know behind the scenes she's raising some money. Uh, you know, she, she's able to, you know, sort of, uh, she, she's going to be able to, I think, run, you know, a, a, a fairly standard campaign. I don't think she's going to blow anybody out of the water, but she becomes a challenge. You know, female voters are, are uh, a huge part of that Democratic primary audience. And so I think the, the magaziner people are, are kind of frustrated. I don't think they're in a point at all where they're saying, oh, my God, we might lose this one. But if you're suddenly, you know, spending a lot of money in a primary, uh, you know, it, it's hard to rebound a couple of weeks later if you get a Republican that is strong, you know, like a De La Cruz or an Alan Fung. Um, and and uh, Dan McGowan, there's still no developments on that, although I agree with you. It, it certainly seems that former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung is organizing. I also think this is an interesting dynamic. Again, you wonder if an unpopular president, which right now President Biden is, if that has an impact, CD2. And also, I noted that um, they talk about let's break this glass ceiling of Democrats sending a woman to Congress. Yeah. It is unusual that the, the woman from Rhode Island who went to Congress was Republican Claudine Schneider. So it kind of, you know, like the talking point that they're normally used to doesn't apply it, in this situation. I find that interesting. Yeah, I think it. I think it's very interesting, and I do. It, it sounds crazy because I think a lot of folks who listen to you or read me, you know, you, you're probably you do probably pay pretty close attention to this stuff, and you say like, who cares if it's female or if it's an Asian candidate or a black candidate? But you know, you got to think about that primary electorate. Yes. And, you know, Joy Fox is going to be somebody who is, is going to make that argument, glass ceiling for Democrats. Then she's going to bolster it with, I've lived here my entire life. Uh, you know, it, it, it starts to appeal a little more than the guy who's, you know, the, the rich kid from the other side of the state. Yeah, that's um, right. And so I, I think, it, you know, the, the, the challenge with Joy Fox is I think she can get to three or four hundred thousand dollars in fundraising, which would be pretty impressive. Yeah. Seth Magaziner is going to have a million or two million. So, yeah. you know, how do you how do you counteract that? What you could really use if you're Joy Fox, what you want is you want this thing to get messy between the guys. You right. want, you know, Ed Pacheco to be the Good one point. swinging and, you know, and, and, and then you stand apart as the, the serious female. Sure. Uh, that's the, the way that you kind of squeak through here and win a primary. Now, folks, you hear me mention it each morning I start off. I'm still blown away you put this together every morning, as a matter of fact. I thought it was something uh, in progress the day before. But, folks, you get Roadmap. It's free. It lands in my inbox. And as I say, it's links to all the stories in the globe. It tells me things I don't know, breaks down the transmission. And, Dan McGowan, right now, if you'd be so kind to offer this to everyone who's listening. 
Well, and I should say, John, the, the reason I can get it done is because I can wake up and you're already awake and tweeting. So I could just steal whatever you've said. And, and oh, use it. stop. <laughs> but yeah, like John said, I mean, every, almost everything we talk about ends up in, in Roadmap. Uh, you know, we break news. We, uh, we analyze the news. We give you the things you need to know. And then you have all the stories. You get my regular column in, the, in, in, you know, in Roadmap. You get all the good stories from my colleagues at The Globe. Um, and it's very simple. Just send me a blank email. Don't have to write anything other than to the email address, rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. Uh, and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job as always. And we'll talk to you again. All right. Talk soon, John. Thanks. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal. 401 401- 688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517. Into Brood Awakenings and discover the brood difference. Two locations in Johnston, also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, their local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the brood difference at Brood Awakenings. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Now, while you're there, uh, there's a lot of exclusive stories. Folks, we cover stories the rest of the media ignores. It's real news, whether it's video that we're out at a crime or a protest or various things that are happening, plus other exclusive stories that we break log on at the website that's also the best way to reach me by the way if you'd like to get in touch with me just scroll down a little bit you'll see a a button that says contact john you can also support the program you you can also get some great merchandise in the shop right there at dipetro.com and it's all our links to social media whether it's facebook so you can watch facebook live or also twitter or youtube or instagram so take a minute, and then also we have some great sponsors there as well. It is a happening. Check it each day. It's dipetro.com. To check out our website, dipetro.com, dipetro.com, which is sponsored by and brought to you by the Centerdale Revival Comfort Food and Cocktails, located 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Shane and his crew, what a wonderful job they've done. Winner of several Rhode Island Best of Awards, Best of Rhode Island Awards. The Senadale Revival. Delicious food, cocktails, a lot of fun. Stop it and see them. 2025 Smith Street in North Providence.